Downloads of this show are available on Podomatic.com and the Podomatic mobile app. Welcome to the Truth to Power show on Ready for Brooklyn. I'm your host, VGR Nathan. So with us today the Mayhem Poets. Their motto is, let's go see a poetry show. That is usually a sentence that is uh, rarely proclaimed and usually responded with cringes and excuses. But the Mayhem Poets are on a mission to change that. Having dubbed as an amazing ride by the New York Times Magazine. Uh, did I say magazine? New York Times. New York sure. Times. I don't know why I said New York Times Magazine. They have a magazine. <laughs> they have a magazine, but we'll say it's a New York Times Magazine. This monthly, this mind-boggling performances... Their mind-blowing performances have been described as The Simpsons meets Malcolm X and a notorious B.I.G. concert. Very nice, very nice. These theater-trained, comically gifted, lyrical virtuosos seamlessly blend raw elements of hip-hop, theater, improv, and stand-up comedy to tell gut-wrenching truths that leave the audience forever changed. So it's cool, it's cool. I'm going to be playing one. I'm here, here in the studio with me now, Scott Raven. And then I'm going to, yeah, we got a call-in coming in from the rest of the group, um, Mason and... Mikumari. Mikumari, yeah. Mikumari. Are they on the line now? Hello? Hello? Good, good. Hi. Welcome, welcome. So, uh, this is Mason. Mason, good. And Mikumari? This is Mikumari. How are you? Good. Welcome, welcome. So, I'm going to be playing, uh, there's a little feedback there. I don't know. Let's see. We're going to be playing a little bit of, um, a sample of your poetry. All three of you performing. I have a, a sample from What You Want. And uh, cool. then we're going to go into our questions and such, and our discussions. So hold on one second. When I first started writing, I wanted to be Shel Silverstein, William Shakespeare, Tupac Shakur, Weird Al, Dr. Seuss, Maya Angelou. I wanted to make people feel what I, I felt like I needed to do something different than everybody, everybody else. else was playing sports. I was writing in my, my notebook, notebook holds everything that I, I want to say. say. What's on my mind? I want world peace. I want a revolution. I want a robotic cat. I, what? Uh, I want to be famous. I want to live forever. I want to write what it's meaningful because I want to say something. Yo, welcome, welcome to, to what, what you want. want. What, what you want. What you got. What, what you need. I need to move into an apartment that I can afford with a decent, reliable landlord without roaches in the kitchen and rats on the floor. Oh, I ain't visiting you no more. <laughs> Welcome, Welcome to, to what, what you want, want, what you want, what you got, what you need. I need Zac Efron's face, LeBron James' body, and Channing Tatum's dance moves to impress that hottie in my math class. But alas, I'm just Mason, so I guess I'll have to make do with that. And that's pretty whack. Welcome, Welcome to, to what, what you want, want what, what you want, what you got, what you need. I need officers to put down guns, pick up a pen, and be saturated with love until street corners and hopefully headquarters is packed with prophetic pacifists pushing performance poetry. Perfecto. Welcome, Welcome to, to what, what you want, want what, what you need, need, what you got, what, what you want. want. I want to reverse more gender roles than if I was a male nurse, knitting plaid skirts till my hands hurt, then go to the mall toting my man purse. Hey man, whatever works. Welcome, Welcome to what what you want, what, what you need, what you got, what you want. Yeah, I'm going to learn five foreign languages so I can speak with Boricua, Dominicanas, como si nada, singing Havana Gilas at bar mitzvahs with an Asian exchange student from the Bahamas. Whoa, don't start no drama. Welcome, Welcome to, to what, what you want, want, what you need, what you got, what, what you want. want. I want to show people that poetry means everything to me. It's got rhythm and words, tricks hidden in verbs and nouns. It's impressive. See, it all helps that medicine go down so you can 
digest it correctly. It's born whenever we say, whatever we feel can't be contained any longer. And, and every, every voice that joins in unison to unify and defy silence makes us that much stronger than any against us. Oh, yeah. Welcome to what you want. What you want. Yeah, so um, the first question to you guys is, let's you know, start at the beginning. How did uh, Mayhem Poets form? And uh, you know, what was the intention in creating this performance group? Anybody sure. wants to say yeah. well, well, I, Can I just make a quick comment on what we yeah. just heard? Yeah, rather? sure, sure. Um, so that you know, might be taken a little out of context when the time that that was performance performed, some of those verses uh, of what we do today have a little bit of a, uh, a slight uh, different tone to, to them. Um, and the way that was individually cut up uh, mm -hmm. is a little different than how you know us the three gentlemen that that are uh, currently here uh, in studio yeah. uh, have uh, how how they come about um, but we can get more into that later that was actually done for some sort of you know commercial spot oh yeah um, yeah. yeah yeah which is a little different than some of the uh, school work that we do some of the college show and some of the uh, community work that uh, that we uh, that we pride ourselves on um Getting started, the group uh, formed at Rutgers University. Excellent. Uh, we all uh, we all went to uh, to the RU, which I believe you did as well, right? Yeah, yeah it was really great. Uh, right. you know, great. We met each other in Cabaret Theater. Yeah, Cabaret yeah. Theater. Um, and uh, yeah, we various different backgrounds. I had started this open mic called uh, Verbal Mayhem. Uh, basically, it was a college av. Uh, campus-wide uh, open mic in a cramped kind of apartment uh, with another gentleman. And it was just an inviting uh, environment for all to, to attend um, based on the movie Fight Club, wow. which uh, had Project Mayhem. And uh, we had decided on Verbal Mayhem uh, as a way of kind of, you know, instead of a, a fight club, having our own right club <laughs> of people kind of meeting together. Great, great. And Mason and... Uh, yeah, so this is Mason. And um, I started attending that open mic and so i one of my classes first took a trip to a um, place in, in new york called the new york poets cafe and uh i had so this is like early 2000s i had never seen or heard of performance uh specifically like performance style poetry um until that trip i went saw it loved it and then like kind of serendipitously a couple weeks later in uh the Daily Targum school newspaper. I uh, saw that there, there was uh -huh. like a write-up on Verbal Mayhem, and I was like, oh, so this, you know, this thing is going on right here a couple blocks away, and it's free? Cool. <laughs> and so I started, uh, just started showing up. That's how I met, met these guys. Local cool, cool. Daily Targum, that brings back some memories. Wow. That <laughs> yeah. time. All right. So, um, yeah, so, uh, and what was the intention? The intention was basically to kind of bring poetry to a little bit more uh, people who may, may not appreciate it or, or um, just express yourself or would you say is the sure. you're talking about the fight club aspect of it yeah, so I mean, I mean that's really mayhem it was more of a all inclusive environment to share uh, share your poetry uh, where we had basically um, the volleyball team was coming to this we had people that weren't speaking English maybe you know uh, that would do poems in Italian uh, so athletes, uh, as well as we had uh, actors, and one of those actors actually was uh, Miku Mari, who was at the uh, BFA acting program that also attended this this open mic. Oh, cool! cool. Absolutely. So, yeah, Miku Mari, uh, you want to jump in there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I um, I think I actually saw 
uh, one of the original flyers, which was uh, Brad Pitt holding <laughs> the pink soap that uh, said Fight Club. And of course, you know, it's like the right club. And um, it was the, the color uh, the color flyer that you know on a, on a, a regular sheet of paper that somebody printed out in their living room because they had a, a color printer and uh, that was my introduction to the the group and that was yeah man that was it was a beautiful time i, I actually got scott and the other gentleman who uh, started the open mic to sign it and i have that flyer with their autograph on it somewhere <laughs> Yes. Yeah. I'm gonna sell it in a few years. Don't worry. <laughs> Cash out now, yeah. right? Yeah. And yeah. and you know the the humble origins of this. You know, initially it was in you know kind of a, a cramped uh, apartment where we had a, a guy in another room patching in music from like they called him the Whiz, where we didn't really have a, uh, even know where the people didn't know where the music was actually coming from, <laughs> and we'd have you know hip hop tracks or uh, or folk songs. Um, yeah, and uh, it all culminated in a freestyle cipher, the, the end of these uh, open mics. We would share poetry over the course of two rounds, and then um, the, the cipher would, would kind of end uh, in that. Um, flash forward, after kind of I stopped hosting, Mason uh, was passed the torch, and he started hosting um, Verbal Mayhem. Excellent, excellent. So um, what about, let's also, let's get into more of your individual journeys. So why don't we talk a little bit, well, have each of you tell where you were born, how did you um, kind of journey into poetry um, and, uh, you know, in general, you know, how you went from being a reader to a performer. Uh, you talked a little bit about, you know, finding out about this group, but more, sticking more broadly. So you want to take that, maybe Mason wants to start? Uh, sure. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so, so my whole... Um... <clears throat> Like as a uh, as a wee lad, I was more into math and science, science specifically. Um, I wanted to be a marine biologist and various other. I wanted to be an anesthesiologist at one point. Like that that was my uh, my upbringing. Not really upbringing. That's just what I what I gravitated towards. Um, and not so much uh, writing at all. I was in the marching band in high school, so like had. And my dad was a good, uh, plays guitar, and so I grew up with with uh, audio recording equipment in the house, and you know, knowing how to how to work my way around a mixing board. Uh, so it was like creative, but it was not poetry at all. I just uh, have to say one one second. I just have to say the anesthesiologist thing. So interesting that you would want to be an anesthesiologist. I don't know. It's so specific. It's so highly specific. Is your father a doctor or is one of your parents a doctor? Is that why you so specifically want to be an anesthesiologist? I feel like that's so specific. Uh, yeah. it, was, it was so, I, I remember this very clearly. I was like, oh, I want to make this anesthesiologist get paid all these <laughs> hundreds of thousands of dollars when physically all you do is people shots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great, great. That. Oh, it's so awesome! That's so awesome. <laughs> minimal amount of work and a lot of pay, right? Yeah, you great. know that that uh, <laughs> the value set in early. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great, great. Uh, so so yeah, go ahead, so yeah. That was, <laughs> so that's all. You know, my whole time through high school was that, and then got to college, and um, you know, put put the saxophone and the clarinet aside, and um, yeah, just started. I uh, like I said, it was it was a singular eye-opening event of just going to that open mic the first time and being like, yo, this is, this is like simultaneously funny and serious and completely 
made up, like there's no boundary on the imagination that you can use in this, but also like real and true, you know, like all these, all these things that are seemingly on opposite ends of the spectrum, you can do poems that are all of those at once. And that seems like the most, the most realist thing to me because like uh, everybody already has all these different sides to them, but they're all real, you know, they're all legit. And so like to do a thing that acknowledges all your sides at once, like, uh, that was, that was cool. And then, um, yeah, started, started doing it. And, um, you know, I just had a kind of a, a knack for a knack for the words and putting them together. And then, um, you know, like, I think another part of the appeal, like as, as any like 18, 19 year old, you know, guy trying to find his way, um, you know, there's something that, that you're kind of good at, you mm-hmm. do, and people kind of, like, pat you on the back, like, that feels good. Yeah. Know? I'm so glad to hear that you're out putting people to sleep, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're really waking them up, you know? You're really waking them up with your poetry, yeah. It's the exact opposite. Yeah, yeah. What the anesthesiologist would do, right? You're waking them up, getting them alive in their in their life. So, Mikumari, you want to chime in with a little bit of your own journey and how you became a poet uh, from the reader to the stage? Yeah, um, with me, um, I started off, uh, because I always really had a, a love for words, um, but it started with me being a super nerd, uh, my glasses being as large as my head, <laughs> and uh, all of the cool guys in my school would ask me to write the girls' uh, poems, and then I would sell it to those guys, and they would, you know, say the poem for the girl. And so that was that was where I started writing poetry, um, especially one of my buddies, uh, who's now a pastor. <laughs> Won't say that name, uh-huh. uh, but uh, yeah. And then I would uh, just write poems. And then when I got to junior high school, I started to freestyle a lot more. So my brother would drag me out to the, the freestyle cipher in the, the middle of the schoolyard in high school, and that was. Uh, the the wave, and that was how I learned to exercise that muscle. And then when I got to college, that's when I met Scott and Kyle, and they really introduced me to the idea of structuring the the freestyle into a full poem, um, and and trying it that way as opposed to just coming off the top of the head, and actually really being able to sit down and, and create a piece top to bottom. Um, so that was definitely uh, how I really got into, all right, I'm going to create a poem that I'm beginning to end and enjoy, yeah. uh, whatever that feeling was. Cool. Yeah. Now let Scott answer about, uh, you know, the guys are talking about music and how music influenced you. So you can weave in kind of the musical journey and how, you know, maybe growing up, what music did you listen to and how did that evolve as you uh, started to um, write poetry? Yeah, sure. Um, well, for, for me, um, shy, introspective sort of kid, uh, but very fertile imagination, uh, would be making up kind of poems in my head. I, I like to say from uh, street signs to Shel Silverstein lines, where, you know, whether it was license plates or things, anything written, I was kind of rearranging the letters, rearranging the words, making, making poetry uh, wherever I could. Um, was kind of on a seesaw early on between the world of uh, athletics and and kind of English. Uh, Dad, having been a, a gym teacher, uh, or phys ed teacher, so he kind of wanted me to go the route of, of 
professional athlete, uh, ideally. Uh, my mom more into to, uh, to English, um, being an ESL teacher. So constantly between those two worlds, I tried to always kind of be a bridge between them, I would say, where uh, get the kids that were playing sports uh, to audition for the spring musical or uh, – kind of, you know, be able to, you know, play basketball as well as after a, a practice go into rehearsal. Um, started off more theater-wise, uh, performing other people's words. Wasn't until college that I really tapped into kind of sharing what I had, kind of getting a little bit of the courage. Uh, felt comfortable on stage, really always felt very, uh, very comfortable. Uh, it wasn't until I kind of really dove deep into poetry that I was comfortable then expressing more of my emotions uh, mm. on stage. Went to school for journalism, incidentally, uh, whereas Mason was anesthesiology. My reasoning behind that was oddly because Jason Priestley in Beverly Hills 90210 was a journalist. And yeah. for some reason, that that was like the shallow reason that I had that uh, I, I wanted to, to do that. Um but the poetry allowed me to kind of take some of the journalistic uh, endeavors as well as imagination and kind of blend those two together. Uh, even now, poetry, like I have, like there's like a research capability, you know, uh, to poems where I'll kind of look up stuff and, and uh, really try to explore a topic from, from, from all sides. Mm. Um, musically, I remember I took a job painting roofs, uh, roofs once with, uh, with the guy that I had started the, um, the open mic with. And all we did that summer was listen to hip hop. Uh, that was, you know, the teacher on the, we were painting roofs silver, looking like tin men at the end of the day, uh, was listening to some KRS-One, Nas, uh, Biggie, and, you know, playing for him some weird Al Yankovic and uh, cats that I was, that I was really into. Good, good. And, uh, you know, I know, I know all you guys have some, as we noted, and we've seen a lot of, a lot of humor in your, work um so i'll play one more track um i pulled out a few tracks that were very you know really funny and such and what, you can set this one up uh i pulled one of scott's uh wmt's oh okay. uh, if you want to set that up a little bit and then we'll play it uh yeah this was written for a show called swap which was spoken word almanac project and basically a, a group that would meet um once uh was it once a month to reflect about what was going on in the news mm. uh, wmt's being an acronym for uh, weapons of mass texts mm. uh, as a way of mobilizing people people together yeah, yeah, let's listen to it maybe it's time to stop searching for these wmds facebook and twitter are the new wmts witness the success of the real threats weapons of mass texts 144 character tweet seeking missiles of dismissal no need to go post, it'll be social in this day and age. Blow up any event from the comfort of your own homepage. <laughs> Round up the troops to challenge, question, and protest. It's cheaper, more effective, and faster than any known printing press. Step inside and get online with now more than 500 million users worldwide, weaving webs of connectivity more lucid and beautiful than Spider-Man the Musical. <laughs> Become the next Textico sensation on networks with net worths worth more than any Fortune 500 oil corporation. Wield power to make real change. See profiling be legal. Raise hairs even on the bald eagle. Where Zuckerberg is king, yet everyone's equal. Where not just American dreams reign supreme, it's a total global phenomenon. Obama, Netanyahu, Shaq, even your mom is on. 
status update your relationship or overthrow a dictatorship. Ninjas, <laughs> pirates, straights, and gays. Stay single or get engaged. In Wisconsin, it's complicated. But why not add civil unions to your page? Follow your favorite celeb, <laughs> honor the dead, stalk a world leader to write an op-ed. With photos easier to tag than bags, Air Tran can be a real drag. So spread the word without all the jet lag. Metaphorically or rhetorically, these WMTs already helped Iran attack with, while no WMDs ever found in Iraq. Whether they need you in Egypt or Tunisia, new acquaintances will be made. When life gives you Yemen, give Yemen aid. <laughs> but let's not call a spade a spade. The entire civil rights movement happened without all this. 250,000 march on Washington, so what was their trick? I had a dream shared without a mouse click. But never before was it this quick. So unlock the chakra doctrine to your inner activist. Tweet this, flicker that, and Facebook the music with three fists in the air. Open your third iPhone and smile while you file share. They say to reach true enlightenment, you must go at it alone. Leave your computer home. Fight focus if you want the crap to stop. Does every sit-in really need a laptop? Mm. Okay. Yeah, it's had a little bit of that journalism yeah, flair sure. to it. So For I sure. appreciate that, yeah. Yeah, one of our more overtly political pieces, mm. um... I'd say. So another one that uh, Mason had put in, I'm not sure if we'll have time for that one, but it had a, a lot of humor in it as well. So I'll go to Mason now. Uh, what is? How did you bring in the humor as well? And what is one way in which you're kind of, um, maybe some of your themes and how you're able to incorporate a lot of humor into this? Uh, you talked a little bit about uh, the, you had the Seussical, Dr. Seuss, and, uh, and, yeah, yeah. and the other one, the um, SpongeBob SquarePants. That people can find on the internet, you know, if they'd like to investigate that. But you can talk a little bit to that. And yeah, I think like it's like, from from a after the fact analytical point of view, you can you can talk about like ways in which one incorporates humor into a piece. But like in the moment of writing it, you're mm. just you're just being yourself. And if you like, if that's if you enjoy jokes and, like, that's your thing, then, like, your poems are going to end up having that. Like, that's going to seep in regardless. Um, but from, for, for, for the sake of, of the chat and, like, pulling out on it, it's like, yeah, where I write the, the poem that I want to hear, and, like, if, if I'm leaving the house on a, whether it's, like, on a Friday night or a Sunday night to go see some poems, or if I'm a seventh-grade kid who gets called to the assembly that I literally have to go to. Like, whatever it is, like, I want to enjoy the experience. And so, like, for uh, writing a poem, like, you want that element of entertainment to be in there. Uh, mm. I want to enjoy doing it. I want people to enjoy listening to it. And so that's, that's how that's going to be. True, um, true. But then also, like, if, if it is a specific point that I'm trying to get across, I, I just find it being more effective of like you open people open up when you tell a clever joke. Yeah. So like in one clip, one, one clever joke, they are simultaneously being one entertained. They're also getting confirmation that the person who they're talking to is thoughtful to put together that clever joke. So like you're 
in the hands of someone who uh, has a good heart and is uh, clever, thoughtful, smart, cares about you because they've made the effort to make you feel good in that moment. So, like, one, one joke line, like, people could, like, look at it as just, like, surface or... or facetious or something but like no you're, you're conveying a lot about yourself in in that and so then that makes the rest of the poem people just being open to it more yeah i, felt I like i was rambling but i know i felt, I felt yeah, that i felt that i was real <laughs> i got that and i think that uh definitely in the uh Cisco one um you know really connected with me expectations versus you know your expectation that we're talking about uh you know religious topics and kind of the turn into Seuss. I mean, it's very analytical, but I understand what you're saying that, you know, you're kind of being alive in the moment and allowing your personality to shine through. And I think that's really great. It's really um, powerful, you know? So when we go, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. ahead, Yeah. Uh, I was just going to say, and it's not to like, to, to say that anyone's style of poem is more effective than another. Like someone could just sit down and have like a really just like, serious, deep conversation about religious texts and their bearing on our lives around us, but that's just, like, not me, and so that's not the poem that I'm going to, to bring. Yeah. And also, but then, Sam, you guys have such a range, though. I mean, in the samples you sent me, there's also a very powerful piece about a very personal power piece that I would do want to play a little later. Mm-hmm. Um, the Sunshine one, uh, Mikumari uh, had, play, had showed me uh, so powerful and so moving, deeply moving. So it's not just all, uh, you know, even in the, even you know, every, in every moment we're being real, being honest. And I think I see that in your work. So uh, I'll let Mikumari kind of set up a little bit about kind of, uh, you know, uh, his work, his themes, you know, the themes that you are dealing with in your work generally. And then we can go into the sunshine a little bit, but you can talk generally about the themes in your work and how you feel about your work and such. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I think the health of my work comes from life experience. Um, the pieces that are online, uh, I have one piece uh, called Ramble, which is from me sitting at a poetry show and a guy uh, just knew that his poem was the poem to change every woman's life in the audience, right? And the refrain was, woman, whoa, Man, whoa, man. And this poem went on for at least 42 minutes. And and everyone in the audience started to cringe and then eventually laugh and it, it got crazy. And and I decided I had to write a poem about it, right? Because it just, it really did mess with my life for a long while afterward. I could still remember the poem and it was college, right? So most of my poems come from something that happened in my life that I just needed to purge uh, because that's kind of why I started writing. There was something going on when I was a kid, and instead of acting out, uh, I would just write about it to kind of gain the catharsis that I was looking for. And so the Sunshine poem is absolutely another catharsis. Um, my mom and father have both dealt with uh, substance abuse throughout my life. And so, you know, there was one day I was performing in New York, um, <clears throat> And, uh, you know, I, I did a big show at BB King's and I left the show. I was, you know, feeling like a, a rock star, you know, like larger than life. And I get to the train station in Newark and I discover, you know, my, my mom is homeless and I hadn't seen her in a long time. And, you know, I just, 
I, I didn't know what to do with that. And there was just so much on my mind, so much on my heart. And uh, I was competing in 2013, and I was asked to write about something very important to me that I'd never written about before. And I took that opportunity to, to, to try to find uh, find a moment to be more honest uh, than I had ever been with a pen. Um, and, you know, the, the exercise also was to, you know, therapeutically see if I could alter the relationship with my mom in that very moment with that poem as well. And uh, so, yeah, man, I decided to, to use that opportunity to uh, try to yeah. gain some clarity. And, That's great. That's and great. My heart. So powerful, so powerful. And um, what do you call it? So now... Um, yeah, let's go into like your identities and how you bring in. Uh, you we've been talking a little bit about identity and uh, how you bring in your identity and your, uh, you know, your race, your class, your gender, in your poetry. We talked a little bit about that about the, you know, bringing out the woman, woman, all this kind of thing. But how, we all go to Scott first. Kind of how you um, bring an awareness of yourself as a performer, as a person, into your poetry and to your performances. Yeah. Sure. Uh, so as man poets, we we do strive to to, to be accessible to all to all uh, both ages uh, demographics, which is why we kind of do shows in in all of those types of environments. Um, notwithstanding, you know, together we 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 uh, we follow a message of staying together. You know, in this in this human race, um, individually we are yeah definitely influenced by our uh, individual identities i am you know the white dude of the group uh for sure and uh and the way that finds uh its way in you know in in a comedic sense uh, early on and as kind of our our stage show progresses it takes on a little bit more more nuance and and uh, perspective um initially it's kind of like I'm trying to embrace a stereotype as a way of transcending it and I was thinking about this today a little bit about I don't know, the movie White Man Can't Jump, yeah. uh, kind of the Billy Hoyle fa- fa- factor, where, yes, he can't he can't jump, but he's he's great at basketball. He's really, really great. Um, and on stage, where uh, I try to play into the stereotype of being the wacky white dude while rhyming, but rhyming good, uh-huh. you know? And I feel that, you know, anybody can be can be uh, into hip-hop, can be into to, to rap or, or, or rhyming uh, if they if, if they're good at their craft, if they're if they're if they're solid. Um, notwithstanding paying homage to those that uh, of course have um, created the art form of where rhyme comes from, where hip-hop comes from, where rock and roll comes from, where the blues comes from. Um, I'm definitely influenced a lot by Shakespeare as well. Um, and you know you've got rhyme with Shakespeare. Yeah. I write a lot of sonnets and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but as the show progresses, you know, you try to to show, as Mason was saying earlier, that everybody is that multifaceted. And uh, what what I learned from my mom early on is is um, that I, uh, I I can I can be accessible to people that have had different different backgrounds than myself through talking, through kind of uh, empathy, through 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 discussions. Uh, I like to share things, you know, that are very mundane about me and very extreme uh, that are about me. Um, and, you know, you got difference, differences of, of, of race, of interests, uh, all those of, of age as well. 
Um, okay. Yeah. So while I go to Mason, and same question about your identity and and how you're um, how you're able to infuse that into your poetry and such. We talked a little bit about it, but a little more specifically. Yeah. All right. Yeah. One thing that that in addition to doing our shows, I I also film. Or, or like I, I host a, a poetry show uh, every week at Bowery Poetry Club, and then I also uh, am the videographer for the National for Poetry Slam Incorporated, which is uh, they run Women of the World Poetry Slam, National Poetry Slam, and Individual World Poetry Slam, and these are like really big competitions of all these, you know, poets from all over the country, and you know, even Canada and Australia all coming together. So um, I say that just to be like I've seen <laughs> probably like a hundred thousand poems. Uh, done and like you have to be aware of not only how you see yourself and like the identity that you that every person like builds for themselves crafts for themselves like most important like you know if, if you like you that's alright dope that's your your identity that you can shape but then you're also like you can't get away from your perceived identity like oh. that's the thing that when I Step into a room, you like someone's first look at me, like that's where they're starting from, okay? And so, if you know where you sit in, like in that kind of way, then you know where you're starting, and then it's easier to craft your I don't know, your poem. I feel like I meandered off off the topic. No, uh, that that was like a holy shit moment for me. Let me just say that. That was a real breakthrough right there because I think I'm always wrapped up in my identity as I perceive it. And when you finally mm-hmm. broke through and said, you know, we can't escape our perceived identity. That was really a real, real, wow, it was powerful. Wow, I know. That sure. was like really powerful. Cool, yeah. cool, cool. And, yeah. Okay, Talk a little bit so more like, about that. Why don't you get a little more into that? Like how, you know, what does that mean? Like perceived identity? Like, you know, it was like how your audience yeah, so, responds to you. I don't know what. Yeah. Okay. So I I'll, this uh, one one particular story came to mind, and, and uh, I hope this illustrates it. So I was uh, hosting um, hosting an event. It's an open mic, so you know whoever decides to show up and read shows up and reads. Um, there's this guy, okay, um, and he did a poem uh, that was not like offendingly misogynistic. But was definitely coming from a place of like, I'm a man, and thus the gender role for me is this. I'm looking for a woman, and the gender role for for her is this. Okay, so in in the audience was definitely a more uh, progressive audience, and uh, as we know, like gender roles are are uh, in in flux, and no like definition, and these conversations are more and more like readily happening around us today, okay? This guy was kind of on the outside of that. So that poem made some of the people in the audience slightly uncomfortable. All right. Um, He finishes, sits down. I get up. And I say something. I start my my, uh, banter as like, okay, guys, look. I am a 35-year-old straight American, native English-speaking man. And so, and I'm saying that, setting up, like, what am I, what am I saying? Like, 
you yeah, acknowledge exactly. that, and then so then people are looking like, oh my god, what is he about to say? I can't conceive of anything <laughs> that is going to be like proper said <laughs> with that kind of introduction. <laughs> but then you flip it, and I'm like, and so I understand, and I I, I wish I remember what I said because yeah. that's kind of the punchline. <laughs> but like, if you you can you can you can like acknowledge who you are and like where you're. Yeah, yeah. Oh, just man. acknowledging where you're coming from and owning that. I guess owning that and saying that you know I'm limited, but I'm here to talk, tell my truth. You know, that's really the theme of the show. You know, the whole show is about finding our personal truths and turning that into our power source. You know, so I think it's a very important point to make that. Uh, you know, we're all yeah, kind of and, coming and it from. It doesn't have yeah. to be like even. It doesn't have to be like limiting. Like yeah, a lot of times uh, people think that like okay, you're not allowed to even broach certain topics if you are not of the demographic that that topic is about. Like I don't uh, agree with that either. You just have to do it with an awareness of who you are and like yeah. where you know where you're coming from Excellent. and you know where other people think you're coming from, and so that kind of like that lays out a little roadmap like of how you have to approach the topic if you want to get your point across mm. so the next question is about the audiences and the audience um uh reactions the audience connections your connections with the audience and such so uh why don't we go to mikumari uh we'll talk about kind of how uh, instances where you've interacted with an audience member or something like that and and they've had a powerful connection with your work uh yeah i was I was just, uh, we were having a conversation with someone yesterday, uh, the young lady that invited us to perform um, in Long Island. Yeah. And, uh, you know, she kind of asked us the same question of, you know, the relationship with the audience, you know, how do we feel? What are the, the best responses we've ever gotten from, from the audience? And it definitely differs uh, for all of us. But I think, to me, one of the greatest responses uh, when we create a work that actually makes someone contemplate the, 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 the pieces of their life, right? Uh, no matter the age group, you know, you, I've, I've had kids, or I remember this one kid, we were walking through the forest talking, and, and Scott was having a conversation with a young lady that brought us. And she ran up to me and she was like, I really want to talk to Scott about his fear poem because, oh, my God, like I deal with all of these fears. And I just thought it was so cool about how he put all of his fears uh, uh, out for everyone to listen to. But then at the same time, we all said our fears and we were having this conversation. And I really want to talk to him, but I'm afraid to talk to him. Right. <laughs> we're having this thing of, you know, the whole conversation <laughs> yeah. about fears. And so I found my way to weasel uh, into Scott's conversation, probably a tad bit rude, but it was, <laughs> I, I felt like it was necessary for this little girl to have that moment to talk with Scott about her fears because fear was an, obviously a big thing in her life. And I wanted to show her that, listen, it, you know, we, we can get through this. Let's just find the way. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure her and Scott had a, a great conversation. Um, uh, people, you know, the, the poem that we talked about earlier with Sunshine, um, it always amazes me how many people uh, deal with something similar. I got an email on Instagram recently about a young man who, um, after hearing the poem uh, maybe two weeks ago, he said he doesn't understand 100%, but he understood 50% because recently his dad uh, was becoming 
hooked on opiates, and he was watching his dad uh, go through uh, uh, dealing with this this newfound addiction, and he really didn't know how to handle it. And after hearing you know the poem about my mom, he felt like okay. It's not something that only I'm going through, and, and I can talk about it, and it's okay to to experience it and, and say that I'm having trouble, so on and so forth. And, you know, we, we, we sent some emails back and forth. Um, but those, to me, are the greatest audience responses. Even the, the you know, we do a poem uh, called One Word Poem, where we create the entire poem one word at a time. And, uh, you know, there's a part where we meow like cats and seeing three grown men with beards uh, meowing like cats <laughs> is awesome excellent, because excellent. you know you have some of the little the, the young men in the audience who are uncomfortable having fun and smiling because they feel like it's a sign of vulnerability yeah right but then you have these three grown men who are obviously very in tune with their masculinity and we are comfortable meowing like cats and giggling and, and doing all sorts of crazy things. And they come up to us afterward and they're like, yo, that was, that was really cool. Thank you. <laughs> like, it's okay for me to laugh. Yeah. It's not a bad thing. So, you know, there, there's, there, there's so many responses, but we, I think, and I don't want to speak for the, the two gentlemen on the phone, with, or, you know, the two gentlemen with us, but, um, we all enjoy every response because it lets us know that we're doing our job when we evoke any response, right? Yeah, yeah. and it's, you know, a joy performing poems that we've done, you know, countless times uh, and just they get new life, you know, depending on where, where we happen to be. Um, I know you were, you were talking a little bit about large crowds, small crowds. Yeah. You know, like the start of the show becomes, you know, more rock concert type vibe. We try to get, you know, we literally pump them up uh, with, with the energy where, where it's, you know, really at a peak, you know, 11 on the dial. And uh, through the course of the show, um, you know, yeah, we try to get a little bit, um, you know, make the huge more of an intimate space. Yeah. Uh, and that's a challenge. But uh, it's 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 amazing when you can you know have uh, such an energy and then you know hear that the, the crickets or hear the pin drop where they're centered in uh, a crowd is, is listening. Um, yeah, that that switch for for me is is always is always so special, and that's where you can have you know share something so specific about uh, you personally, where the the conversations happen after, and we're always willing to talk to you know the students or or the uh, the families after shows and stuff like that. Yeah. So actually, now I'm I'm feeling moved to like uh, I'll do I'll do the uh, I'll do one more track, but I'm gonna do the scripture of Seuss instead. Uh, I'm gonna, I said to go back to that because I think that Sunshine Wall it's really great. It, it's a little emotional even for me. I've I've also had to struggle with uh, mental health issues, and I've had really great support uh, from my family, and I've I've not been able to overcome these things. But sometimes it's a bit could be I kind of want to get a little emotional, so <laughs> let's just go with the scriptures of Seuss. Uh, let's listen a little bit to that. Uh. The scriptures can teach us if we just obey. Believe in his word and he'll show you the way. Now ignoring these teachings might lead you to evil, but you're a masterpiece painting, so let him be your easel. He'll hold you on high, lend support to your soul, even warm you some cocoa if life gets too cold. He'll be everything from the front to the caboose. I'm speaking, of course, of my lord. Dr. Seuss. <laughs> now there may be some here tonight uh, who have not opened their hearts to the light that is Dr. Seuss. Tell it, tell it right. 
Oh, I'm telling them. Because there may be some here who lack the faith in the good doctor to show them the way. Well, for those of you who have yet to experience the passion of the Seuss, there's no eternity of agony and torture awaiting in the afterlife. I'm sorry, sir. It's just the rest of this life to embrace the 44 books of glorious Seuss. Because Dr. Seuss tackled topics affecting all man, then put them in terms any child understands. The reading is books and ingesting is morals and big hearty helpings and tiny small morsels. But see, most folks reject this wisdom of Seuss. They may pay it lip service as if it's the truth. They'll speak of equality, fairness, and more. They'll speak of some world with kindness galore. But look at reality. Just look at its core. In the name of religion, more blood hits the floor. Such hatred and killing, yet still we ignore the wisdom of Seuss. We're just too mature. Friends, if you don't mind, I just want to read a very short passage from the book of Sam. Sam did not like green eggs and ham. Mm, he would not eat them in a house. He would not eat them with a mouse. He would not eat them here nor there. He would not eat them anywhere. My friend Sam was a victim paralyzed by fear. However, once that furry little creature boy finally convinces Sam to try those green eggs and ham for himself, do you know what he realizes? There's nothing to be afraid of, my brother. And yes, sir, he will eat them in a house. He will eat them with a mouse. He'll eat them in a box. He'll eat them with a fox. Because he's the Seuss. Oh, hallelujah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, uh, may the power of thing one and the power of thing two compel thee, my sons. Oh, Grinch, be gone. Grinch, be gone. Grinch, be gone. Breakdancing Grinch, be gone. You see, these scriptures of Seuss are for all of mankind. Just open a book, ye seek and ye find. The language is easy, so what if your grades are failing? It's for all reading levels, even Sarah Palin. Oh, it's okay. She's not coming back. It's okay. So let Gidgeons and such spend their time with that book. They may take offense or they may take a look at Dr. Seuss pictures, Dr. Seuss writings, Dr. Seuss wisdom, so warm and inviting. Ain't no stern commands. He's no vengeful God. He won't burn your souls if you do something wrong. But they're not pointless rhymes. He's no mother goose. This is universal wisdom written by Dr. Seuss. Okay, thank you. All right, so um, now we can talk a little bit more about um, maybe spiritual or religious backgrounds and how you kind of are able to bring in some meaning um, you know, all these kinds of things. Anything you want to talk about with regards to that? or Well, I guess... In, was it guiding philosophy? Yeah, or or that, that, philosophy. That, that poem, you, you, uh, we, uh, Mikumari and I, become part of the congregation. In yeah. that we become part of the audience uh, yeah. with that. That's what you kind of hear in the background. Yeah. Um, to make it, you know, part, part, part like that. Um, I grew up personally um, uh, raised Jewish. Um, going to temple, went to countless bar mitzvahs, um, and um, yeah, for for me, the the the, the cultural experiences that shaped me um, tremendously. Uh, having you know, like like a, a group, a community to to go to um, growing up was um, was 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 fantastic. Um, I didn't have my kind of, I guess, my 
religious uh, affinities shaped till later in college, where I will say poetry became more my religion. Yeah. I mean, kind of language, the interconnected things through words and through language became more of a, a philosophy for me that came out of, you know, out of verbal mayhem um, and, and stuff like that. Um, still, you know, still celebrate high holidays and, and, and stuff like that, Jewish-wise. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Mason, how about you? You want to chime in about your personal philosophies or guiding philosophies? Yeah, I was I was definitely raised uh, a-religiously. Uh, you know, went, went to church probably twice in my whole life, and that was when we happened to be visiting people who, you know, stayed over the house and they did it on Sunday. Um, and so my view definitely the when being the younger I was the more anti-religion I was because the whole like social aspect of it was completely foreign to me having never experienced it so I'm on the outside looking in like people are really doing all this stuff because of these books and then read the books and I'm like this book makes no sense dude and so so like it's always like rang kind of foolish to me honestly uh when I, when I was younger and so then it wasn't until okay growing up and like what what uh what Scott said of like poetry as religion like the experience of going every week to an open mic and just having that shared experience with these people like if you just replace poems with whatever the sermon sermon guy uh, yeah. <laughs> As we start to wrap up, um, why don't I ask Mikumari to have a closing thoughts on, uh, you know, poetry's art form and division between, uh, you know, poetry of the page for the stage and how you're able, where are you going from here? Where do you hope to, to bring your art form uh, in the next few years? Uh, page versus stage. Yeah. Um, I think that you get an opportunity uh, with the stage to... Um, you have an opportunity in both venues uh, to do different things, right? So on the page, you can create something that someone can sit with and and have uh, thoughts, you know, for, for years to come, find new nuances within the writing. Oh, wow, okay, he used this uh, homogram to, to, to mean something. And, oh, I see what he did with this wordplay. You know, <laughs> you get so much. Uh, when you're on stage, it's more of an immediate impact. Yeah. Right? Uh, so you have to kind of decide, you know, what you're writing for um, and then find the middle ground. 
uh, or 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 just go for what you you know. The, if the reason you wrote it is to make someone laugh until they fart while you know sitting in your <laughs> chair, that's what you're going that's for, excellent. right? Yeah. Um, but when you when you have something on a page, you have a little bit more of an opportunity. Um, it's almost like uh, when it, when when you think about hip hop, hip hop you only have, or typically you'll have sixteen bars to deliver whatever it is that you want to say. Whereas if you're just looking at music, you have the world is your oyster. The page is your stage. You can do whatever you want, right? Um, when yeah, it comes right. to where I personally would like to see the 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 world of poetry, personally, I'd like I'd love to see it receive the same accolades and to be put on the same stage as every other Grammy award winning genre yeah right um i think i think a, a, a singer can touch someone's life in a way that it, you know it's, it's really hard to, to 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 understand and i believe that a poet can do that same thing thank, right? you, thank you so the same way you have someone show up to sing uh uh, Amazing Grace. Yeah, and that was a song because I was raised in a Black Baptist church, right? So Amazing Grace was one of those songs that okay, this is going to make you feel all the things. Yeah, um, I feel like a poet can be put on that exact same type of stage and have the exact same uh, res can can pull the exact re response. Uh, emotionally, depending on what it is that they have to say. Yeah, I think that um, definitely, I think that the Mayhem Poets are there to tell, those, as we started out in the beginning, those gut-wrenching truths that are going to change your life and bring you some humor, bring some laughter into your life. And I really appreciate that, you guys. And thank you so much for being a, a part of the Truth to Power show. We have to wrap up now, but uh, thank you so much. I want to give a personal thank you to all of you for taking the time to, to be a part of the show. Thank you. Thanks yeah, for man, for us. sure. Thank you for inviting us, man. Thank you. All right. Take care, then. You just finished listening to the Truth to Power show on Radio Free Brooklyn. Radio Free Brooklyn is a 501c3 nonprofit organization whose mission it is to provide a free and open platform to our community and promote media literacy, education, and free expression. We rely primarily on donations from listeners like you. So if you'd like to support our mission so we can continue to bring you quality community radio, we invite you to make a one-time donation or monthly pledge at RadioForBrooklyn.org backslash donate. You can donate as little as a dollar, and every cent helps us to continue to stay on air. So please help support independent community media by pledging whatever you can afford. And remember that, five, that Radio for Brooklyn is a 501c3 nonprofit, so your contribution is tax-deductible to the fullest extent of the law. Again, that's RadioForBrooklyn.org backslash donate. Also, did you know that Radio Free Brooklyn has a free iPhone and Android app? You no longer need to be chained to your computer to listen. Just download the Radio Free Brooklyn app from the App Store or Google Play so you can listen to independent community radio wherever you go. You can find the iPhone app by going to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org backslash iPhone and the Android app is available at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org backslash Android. So download the app today and listen to RFB wherever you are. Also, if you'd like to sponsor this show, Truth to Power Show, you can go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org backslash Truth to Power. There'll be an option for you to uh, donate a little bit towards the monthly cost of uh, membership fees for uh, Radio for Brooklyn's Truth to Power show. 
to go to radiofreebrooklyn.org backslash truth to power and click on sponsor this show. Also, are you subscribed to the RFB newsletter, Radio Free Brooklyn, yet? Every month we'll send you the latest news about new programming and upcoming RFB events, as well as interviews, ticket, ticket giveaways, special offers and RFB swag and more. The emails only come once a month because we're committed to a fan-free world. You can sign up at radiofreebrooklyn.org backslash newsletter.